So today, um, I'm kind of excited to talk to you. Uh, actually, I'm even more excited perhaps to talk to me because this is, I think, a challenging topic, but one that I need to hear going into the Christmas season. The title on Borrowed Time is a recognition that time is a resource that God gives us. It's not ours. It's his. And we're going to dig into that idea a little bit today. The content for this sermon actually came from our men's retreat from a few weeks ago. Uh, John Gates said, that was such a good message. The whole church needs that. So can you come and can you deliver some of that message? And I've actually, it's not just the, the part of that retreat that I prepared, because there were four of us, four men from the church who presented content and led discussions during that retreat. Uh, it was myself and James Shen and Ian and Jeff. Jeff was the one who actually focused more on using time. Um, but it all really tied together nicely. The Holy Spirit does that sometimes. Get four people in a room with different ideas and you find lots of interesting connections. One of the things that the way we started the retreat was looking at some pictures. You know what that is? The men should know if they went. What is it? It's a man cave. That might be a foreign concept to you, but it's a man cave. It's a hideaway, a place where men make that's comfortable and they fill it with all the things that they love when they're going to have some me time. Right? And it actually often represents the worst of us. Sometimes there are really good things that we put into our man cave if we're lucky that enough to have one, but it represents sometimes a way that we go and we escape and we fill our time in sometimes ways that aren't very edifying or pleasing to God. For a, a Christian, the idea of a man cave can represent worshiping idols entertainment, sex, money, comfort, self. That's not how God wants us to use our time. And I think right now, just going into the Christmas season, perhaps this is a good time for us, not just men, but for all of us to think about how we're going to use time. Some of you are going to be given the gift of time in the next few weeks, right? It's a time to share with others. It's a time to spend with God in reflection. But it's also sometimes a time to indulge various interests that we might have. And I think we need to be careful as Christians if we think of the Christmas season as a time for indulgence. We have to be careful what we indulge in and how much we do that. Because it's not just a time for indulgence, it's also a time of great opportunity. And we need to be thinking clearly, I think, about the difference between whether we're going to indulge or whether we will be thinking clearly through Christmas and seeing opportunities that God might be giving to us. We'll get to that in a second. Let's pray before we go further. Father God, I just pray that you would calm us, 
calm our spirits. Help us to be receptive to you today, to hear the words that you have for us in this Christmas season. That we would be open to your leading for the next 25 minutes or so as we consider these ideas together, but also going forward. That this word would resonate in us and cause us to be different over the next few weeks on into the new year. Help us to know how to, re how to use the resources that you provide to us in a way that's glorifying to you. Help us not to worship the resources themselves, but to worship you, the giver. Be with us today. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read for you the parable of the talents. If, you can, if you'd like to turn there on your phone, I think most people have phone Bibles now. That's okay. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. Talents are, it's an amount of money in Jesus' time. To another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but the one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into your joy. Enter into the joy of your master. Same thing happened. I'm going to skip down because the same thing happened with the guy with two talents. He made two more and was put in charge of more. And he who had received the one talent, this is verse 24 now, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have back what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and sinful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers, and at least uh, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given, who has, will be, will more be, sorry, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even that what he has will be taken away. I don't believe that Jesus was just talking about money. I think he was talking about resources in general that we are given, the very lives that we are given, and how we're meant to use those for God's glory, to increase the harvest of souls, ultimately, 
to populate heaven by spreading his good, mess, his good word, the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world, to bring him glory by the way we use our resources. All of these resources are borrowed from God. They belong to him. Everything that he gives to us, money, material possessions, food, a home, a job, even our family, the children that have been entrusted to us, our health, our language skills, our education, our understanding, our abilities, our interests, all of these are resources that God has given us. But I would, th I would say that perhaps the resource that we are most obsessed with right now in the world today is time. don't know that we often think about it, but I think we're all obsessed with time. But sometimes with all these resources, even as Christians, we begin to worship the resources provided instead of the provider. God entrusts us with so much, and we get obsessed with those gifts that he gives us. They're not bad gifts. These are all good things. But we can get so focused on the things that we're given that we lose sight of who gave them to us. It's essentially misplaced worship. Pastor Mark Driscoll, a pastor in the U.S., I listened to a sermon of his a while ago that he said something that resonated with me. He said, most sin issues that we have are actually issues of misplaced worship. We start worshiping resources that God has given us or things that are around us in our life instead of worshiping him. We spend our time the wrong way, worshiping things, misplaced worship. We could worship health. Is there anything wrong with health? No. But if we worship it, it could become obsession with exercise or with diet, something that possesses our mind and takes our attention away. It could give us a, an unhealthy body image that we just think about all the time and we're obsessed with. We could worship food. Food is great. Not if it turns into overindulgence. It can create health problems for us. Something that I struggle with personally. We could even worship relationships. Of course relationships are wonderful. We, we want to be in healthy relationships with people. But if you start overemphasizing those things in your mind at the expense of your relationship, your vertical relationship to God... Sin could result, overprotectiveness, spoiled children, jealousy, gossip, even sex addiction in extreme cases. Your job, you're thankful for it, but some of us get into a pattern where we might even be worshiping our job, leading to work addiction, stress, not having time for others. Stuff, you gotta have stuff. We're wearing stuff, we got here by driving stuff, we have a, 
home, we have electronics, we have all these things that kind of go along with the modern life. But if we focus on those things, if that's where our worship and that's where our attention is spent, it can lead to coveting what others have. Being unthankful, unhappy. I think we can even worship time. We can be so obsessed with time and how we're going to spend it. We can be preoccupied with me time. Not that me time is a bad thing in itself, but it is if you get preoccupied with it at the expense of other things in your life, other priorities, especially time that you may have with God. I think oftentimes we think of me time and yet we just fill it with entertainment. The result can be isolation and frustration in our lives. Again, none of these things in themselves are bad. But if we worship them instead of worshiping the one who has given them, it can cause real problems for us. Sin problems arise when we worship resources instead of the resource giver. Another parable. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll skip down to verse 18 and continue reading from there. Let me read to you. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach wouldn't that be cool that's the beach vacation that I might want and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow what does a sower do what's in the hand seeds sowing seeds right Sowing seeds. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, started growing. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Skipping now to verse 18 where Jesus explains to his disciples what that parable was about. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. You see some similarities in the two parables. God wants us to be fruitful, to use resources for there to be fruit evident coming from our lives. When we misplace our worship and spend time on all these other obsessions that we have, it's like we invite the thorns ourselves. That's the type of seed that I identify with. I've heard the word, it's, it's in me. I'm growing, but sometimes I feel like I'm stunted in my growth as a Christian because I've invited thorns into my life that keep me from producing what God would want me to produce. Maybe you feel like that as well. Today is about identifying some of the thorns, perhaps, that we have invited into our own lives. Think back to the man who hid the talent in the ground. I think there were two parts to his sin. We'll get back to the thorns in a minute. There are sins of omission. These are things that we fail to do. God puts an opportunity in front of us. We fail to take it. We've omitted doing something that would have been right in his eyes. There are also sins of commission, things that we commit Choices that we make to engage in doing something that is not honoring to him. And I think when we look at the resource of time, and we use time improperly in a way that doesn't take advantage of opportunities God has given us, then it could be both of these at the same time. Consider somebody who overworks. Not only is it potentially damaging to him because he doesn't have time to spend with God and he could be stressed out and so focused and obsessed on work that it becomes an unhealthy obsession, but he's also not home with his family. There's a sin of omission, not being with his family, not having time with his God. There's also that sin of perhaps overwork, omission and commission. Often when we misuse time, both of these are together. When we don't use the time God has given us in a way that pleases him, we use our time sinfully. We fail to serve. We could be placing ourselves among the thorns, so to speak, when we go out and buy the big TV. I have a big TV. I'm convicted. 
when we take the overly demanding job that pays really well. That could be placing yourself among thorns. Depends on your mindset, I think. When you take the really expensive vacation, you could be placing yourself among the thorns. I think we have to examine our hearts in these situations. When you overschedule your kids, so here's one that I see as an educator a lot. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine, so I'm going to throw it out there. When you overschedule your kids in after school lessons because everybody else is doing it, I think sometimes that's us as adults placing ourselves among thorns because then we're scrambling to get them there. But I think we're also somehow placing our kids among thorns at the same time. We're training them for that kind of busy lifestyle where they don't have time for some of the things that are really important. Did I hear an amen right there? Here's another one that convicts me. I have to hang my head in shame a little bit. Spending hours in the evening reading or watching the news. My wife is over here going, yep, she knows. How I can do that? I know. It's shocking, right? It's shocking. I know. I know. Sorry. We place ourselves among thorns. We all have thorns that we invite in. How about that one? Who's got that thorn in their pocket right now? Glenn, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. I think the reason the smartphone is so successful is because it feeds every potential obsession and addiction you could have. Every single one of them. Shopping. Relationships. Sports. Pornography. Comparing our lives to others on Facebook, coveting, gossip, news, money, tracking your bank account and your investments, it's all right there. I think our phones are a very dangerous temptation to misplace our worship and waste the time that God has given to us as a resource because they're so convenient. This graph shows smartphone addiction in the world. The, you probably can't see all the details, but the orange was in the top 10 countries, how much time was spent in 2012. The red is 2016. It's just getting worse. And in China and the United States in 2016, the red numbers are about three hours a day. Average. Some of us are much higher than that. This is some more recent data. 
that four hours and 33 minutes, they researched a, a wide variety of countries and pulled data from all around the world of smartphone users. Four hours and 33 minutes, if you combine smartphone and tablet use, that's the average use time. That number down in the corner, 2,617, the average user will tap, swipe, click their phone 2,617 times a day. Average user. Are we convicted, church? Perhaps. I think ultimately our most limiting resource that gets in the way of doing what God wants us to do is often time. He's given us a limited amount. He wants us to invest it wisely in ways that glorify him and increase his kingdom. That idea of me time, it's often put out there as this really positive thing. Right? Everybody needs to get some me time to have some balance to be, and I agree with that. But what are you going to fill your me time with? If me time means I can hide away with my phone, I'm not sure that's the me time that actually is going to help. Me time perhaps needs to be more about the vertical. And when you have the vertical relationship with God going in your me time, then I think a lot of the horizontal time is going to be spent differently as well. Because you're going to be in tune to the opportunities that he puts in front of you in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. If you're just on your phone, you might not be recognizing the opportunities God gives you. I'm not saying go out and hit your phone with a hammer and get rid of it. But we've got to be careful, I think, with our choices. Recently, we heard Jeff Ryan talk just a couple of weeks ago about the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Do you remember that? It was about giving of first fruits, giving our resources, being good steward of our resources. The rich young ruler, when asked to give of those resources back to God, said, ah, I don't know if I can give that way. Zacchaeus said, take it. I'll give you even more than I have right now. I'll dedicate it all back to relate to get into a right relationship with God. Sometimes we have to cut ourselves off from some of the resources that we've become dependent on or have been abusing. We spend so much time thinking about how am I going to be re comfortable in retirement? Does that be, is that something you think about? How am I going to be comfortable in retirement? Really? We want to spend all that time thinking about being comfortable while we wait to die? I don't think that's what God has for us. That's just crazy. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. We heard it already. I'll read it again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
If you want to keep your heart in the right place, Jesus has to be your treasure. How do you keep Jesus as your treasure throughout the day? Pray. I would say especially prayers of thanksgiving. I just met yesterday with Brian and Craig. We're preparing for another sermon series that's coming later next year. We were talking about being oriented to Christ as we go through every day. Sometimes where our attention will stray, but then coming back and being oriented. And one of the ways we talked about orienting ourselves to Christ throughout the day is by being thankful. Practice gratitude. It's awfully hard to misplace your time and your resources when you're constantly reorienting yourself to Christ by being thankful. I think that's the correct attitude that we should have as we go through every day. This Christmas, this season that's ahead of us, my hope for us is that we won't be focused on what we do not have but we will be focused on all that God has blessed us with. I would encourage you, I'm encouraging myself, set the smartphone aside for big chunks of time. You're on vacation. You can do it. You don't have to have it right there in your pocket or out on the bedside table. Set it aside. Don't let that get between you and God this season. Don't let it get between you and your family, your friends. Deliberately set aside time to spend with God and time to spend with others. We could use that time of, that resource of time in this season better than we might otherwise. I believe if we set time aside this way, God is going to offer us opportunities to glorify him with that time he gives to us. We all have choices to make this Christmas. I'll read out some choices. Don't think I'm picking on you if one resonates particularly well. Will we watch football or will we take the opportunity to tell others the story of Christ's birth? Will we go shopping or will we give to the poor? Will we isolate ourselves or spend time with others who are isolated by their circumstances? Will we seek our own comfort or will we bless others by sharing our resources? Will we pray for needs we don't really have or tell God how thankful we are for the greatest gift of Christ. And here's one for parents. Will we give gifts that draw others like our children into the trap of misplaced worship? Or will we seek to draw them into worship and spending time with each other and God? Jesus is the greatest gift we've ever been given. And he is a gift we are called to share. Let's take that opportunity 
and spend time sharing the love of Christ with others this Christmas. Let's pray. God, so often when we look at ourselves and we're honest with ourselves, even as Christians, we don't like what we see. pray that you would change that. You died to change that. We should see ourselves as you do, as pure, spotless, blameless, but we can only do that, God, when we spend time with you, when you have the opportunity to speak into our lives so that we can grow so that we can accept your love, let it permeate into every part of us, and then be able to share it with others. And I pray, God, that you would give us that kind of insight and deliberateness this Christmas season, that we would be listening to you, and we would be open to your, the resources that you've given us, but that we would constantly be drawn back to understanding where they've come from, that we would understand we are, uh, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Father, let us rejoice in our identity as your children this Christmas. Thank you for sending your son Jesus as the ultimate gift. Help us to share Jesus with others. Help us to celebrate it in ourselves, in our families, in our friendships. Help us to proclaim his birth to the world. We worship you, Father, the giver, for all that you've given us, for all the, all the ways you've blessed us. Help us to find our true joy in you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.